my motivation is still the same to connect more deeply with that loving presence and this is the way that works best for me is chanting mm -hmm. uh, it's fed every part of me you know and uh, really change the way I see myself the way I sit in my own heart and the way I go through the day the way it, it it's it's the way that been given to me to you know transform my life Welcome to Curious Ones podcast by Andara. I'm Yael Ginsberg, the host of the podcast, a yoga and meditation teacher and philosophy lover. Each week you will hear eye-opening interviews with the different teachers of the Andara Yoga Institute located in beautiful Baja, Mexico, along with other teachers that pass through here. This life-changing knowledge shared through authentic, heartfelt communication will help you live a happier, more fulfilled, and connected life. Let's dive in. I'm so excited to have our guest today, Krishna Das. Krishna Das is a kirtan artist known worldwide. His journey started in the late 1960s when he met spiritual seeker Ram Das and their guru Neem Karoli Baba, also known as Maharaji. During his time staying at Maharaji's temple in India, he was drawn to the practice of bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion, through Kirtan. It was almost 20 years after his stay in India until Krishna Das started singing Kirtan again with groups of people around the US. Since then, he has influenced the lives of countless people around the world. To date, Krishna Das has released 16 albums and was nominated for a Grammy in the Best New Age Album category. Welcome, Krishna Das. I'm so honored to have you here on the podcast. You've been here at Yandara for the last few days with yeah. Bhakti Fest. Yeah, yeah. How has it been going for you? It's great. Yeah, I, I love engaging with people and meeting people's minds, you know, in their hearts. It's a, with chanting and talking and sharing stories and stuff. I love it. It's very. It feeds me so much. So I'm, I just. I hope it helps other people too. Mm -hmm. From the stories I've heard, it's been helping them a lot. Good. Yeah. So let's start from the basics. Um, from your current perspective, how would you explain to somebody what kirtan is? Well, in India, what they call it is the, the repetition or the chanting of the names of God, which is an interesting concept. In fact, once a, a Jewish woman at one of my workshop said, you know, in Judaism, they say you can't say the names of God. Yeah. And I said, right. Mm -hmm. Because we're actually lying because the real name of God is beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond emotions, beyond concepts. Mm -hmm. But in India, they believe that there were beings who fully manifested that on earth. And they call those avatars mm -hmm. or deities. And in some ways, those beings are our elder brothers and sisters, you know, and have finished the path, have, have realized the truth about things. And so Rama, Krishna, Kali, Durga, all these, these are, these invoke the, the essence of those beings, which actually is not different than your own essence. So in some way, all these names of God, as they say, Mike, <laughs> is is you're invoking the deepest place within you ultimately. So even though it might look like it's outside, it's actually inside. And then you get to a place eventually which is beyond words, which is the real thing, which is something, of course, you can't speak in words. So it's a repetition of these names or these mantras. They're mantras. And a mantra is a sound that if uttered with attention and sincerity and dedication uh, 
that sound, you you um, you can feel what that's where that sound comes from. What that sound means, or how that sound feels within you. Let's put it that way, rather than means, because means is a you know an intellectual thinking thing, but it's not thinking. So in India, they say these sounds are the sound form of the formless. Mm -hmm. Beyond what's beyond all the form. But these are the names of that as it came into form. And so from following that path, you come to the, your, the truth about things, your soul or the, the supreme being. Mm -hmm. So it's a question of just singing or repeating the names, uh, either with music or without music. And when you notice that you're thinking about something or remembering something and not paying attention, you simply come back. Mm -hmm. And this letting go thing is what's really key because we spend most of our lives in dreamland yeah and then we're gone so this is a way of slowly waking up little by little and recognizing you know awake an awakened state of mind of a true true being which is consciousness which is awakeness which is awareness so the practice of letting go of whatever's got you when you notice you develop this ability to uh, not be so pushed around by your own stuff, by the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. You know, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy of love. I'll never get this. I'll never get that. I'm too much this. I'm too little. You know, all that stuff that is always running under the surface for everybody and affects everything we do, our relationships, our feelings, how we go through the day. This is a way of kind of diluting the glue that holds us to those things and so that we don't stay stuck for so long but they call it a spiritual practice because uh, ultimately it reveals to you your true nature and the true nature of everybody else it's all the same yeah it's a form of meditation right sure absolutely yeah, that's the first thing I should have said. <laughs> Instead yeah. of all the nonsense I went through. But yeah, we got to that. Yeah, it is a form of meditation, of course. Yeah. With sound and music. The music is, uh, you know, if you want a kid to take medicine, they won't take it. So you hide it in a sweet syrup. Mm -hmm. so the music is the syrup. The medicine is the name of the mantra. Mm -hmm. The music is not going to cure you of the disease of suffering. Yeah temporarily it might lessen it a little bit but it's they believe it's the repetition of the name which uncovers that jewel within us little mm -hmm. by little what is it about the repetition well what do we do all day we think about ourselves all day mm -hmm. so we think about ourselves and usually those thoughts are somewhat judgmental and limiting so you're not going to be able to stop thinking. So what you want to do is substitute thoughts that are positive and that are helpful. And in a sense, you're planting seeds in your mind, in your heart, mm -hmm. of all the, the, of the, the essential beauty and love that lives within us. So all these names are like seeds of that. So when we're doing that, we can't be thinking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can't be putting ourselves down. We can't be being pushed around by our stuff. So through regular practice, there we go. We get back to practice. You've got yeah. to do something. You can't just wish you didn't feel bad. You have to actually create the causes of feeling good. Yeah. You know, everything that's happening right now is a result of stuff we've done in the past. Past lives or past this life, who knows? But... Every effect is the effect of a cause. Yeah. Nothing can happen without a cause. So we don't know what caused this, but we do know that we can create causes now for the future mm -hmm. that will be the things that we want. The love and the kindness and the compassion and the caring and the joy that we'd like to have as human beings on the planet. Mm -hmm. Is that your motivation when... You sit down to do the practice because not every day we want to sit down and practice, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, ultimately they say the greatest motivation is 
compassion, what they call bodhicitta, which is the offering your enlightened heart, your 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 aspiration to freedom for all beings. But if I said that that was my aspiration, I'd be lying. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't want to hurt. Yeah. Ultimately, that comes from not wanting to be in pain. Mm-hmm. And so, but as you ripen, you know, through these practices and through your understanding of the path, you see that everything you do affects everybody else also. So yeah. you start to recognize that everybody's a part of your own happiness, your own life, actually. We're all so interdependent on each other. Nothing. Yeah. This microphone was somebody made the, the steel, the aluminum, somebody created the, tech, the technology, somebody actually formed, you know, designed it, somebody shipped it here. You know, I mean, we don't, everything we have is from, it's because of other people. Yeah. The shirt, everything, mm-hmm. the coffee. <laughs> you drink coffee? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're not letting us have coffee here. What is that? They're not letting us have coffee here. Boy, I could have made a few bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Come buy a few sips of Krishnadas' personal coffee. (laughs) Here, (laughs) everybody. Only three rupees only. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I miss coffee. (laughs) So I would like to go back to where you started. Since the time that you left Maharaji's temple in India and started chanting... 20 years passed. What happened in those 20 years? I'm sure you're not from the FBI. (laughs) Uh, From the Mossad. It was really a terrible time for me. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we talk about, I talk about, we all, everybody talks about um, feeling loved and, and wanting love, but being with Maharaji was, at that time, the, only, the, the first time I ever felt loved that way. It was just nothing close in my life that I... It, and not only everybody there would say the same thing. It was extraordinary. Uh, unfortunately, I got attached to his body emotionally that was my deal that wasn't mm-hmm. his deal but being so emo- an emotional person I got attached to him emotionally and when he died I felt very lost and I thought well that's it you know because being with him was the only thing the only time I ever felt loved and I felt okay good okay mm-hmm. now what when am I going to find it you know? it took me 20 years before it occurred to me that I had to look in here mm. that I could even could even look in here there was so much darkness that had to happen in my life. And he sent me back to America after two and a half years. He said, you have attachment there, you have to go. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what he was talking about. Now I know. Every single thing that's happened to me since that moment is what he was talking about. This was my karmas that had to manifest mm. over the, all these years, all the, the hidden darkness and tendencies in me you know to self-destruction and self-hatred and oblivion and you know all the terrible things that one does to oneself all the seeds were in there and he knew this was what I had to go through this and that's why he sent me back so it took a long time until I kind of it was like throwing a lid ball into a into a lake you know okay eventually maybe there's some air in that ball that finally after the lead wears off the oxygen you know it starts to surface again it was like that it took a long time for me to start to surface again i just felt so lost i was in such despair for so long and i you know i got involved with drugs and i got involved with partying all kinds of things and I wasn't doing any practice for a long time. He had ne- he never left me, but I I had let go of his hand and I didn't know where to find it. Mm-hmm. And then after about twenty years, I had an experience 
I was in New York City in my apartment, and I walked from one room to the other, and I was struck like a lightning bolt. And I knew that if I did not sing with people, with people, mm-hmm. that I would never be able to clean out the dark corners in my own heart, the dark shadows. And it was understood that this is the only thing that was causing me suffering. So it took a while to get with the program. I tell you, it took about, I don't know, six months or a year to actually start singing. Mm-hmm. And then it just, oof, you know, it just, when I started, there were like 10 people there and they all had to be there because they were part of the yoga teacher training of that <laughs> studio. But then little by little, more and more people came and there were lines around the block, you know, hundreds of people were coming every Monday night. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. But my motivation is still the same, to connect more deeply with that loving presence. And this is the way that works best for me, this chanting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fed every part of me, you know, and uh, really change the way I see myself, the way I sit in my own heart and the way I go through the day, the way it, it, it's, it's the way that been given to me to, you know, transform my life. Mm-hmm. You know, what I find very interesting is that um, before you left for India and met Maharaji, you had aspirations to become a rock star, right? I read that yeah. somewhere. And in a way, you kind of became a rock star just in the <laughs> spiritual well, that's, world. That's, that's exactly, he did that. Mm-hmm. He, took the, he took what I, it, you, and it's funny, on the very day that I was going to stay with Ramdas for the first time, and then that led to like a year and a half of hanging out with him and then going to India, that very night, I went to a Jimi Hendrix concert. Mm-hmm. I had my two dogs, my cat, and all my worldly possessions in my car, and after the concert, I was going to drive all the way up to Vermont that night. That night, the band that I had been in asked me to come back and be the singer again mm-hmm. and go on tour. Wow. That night. But I had everything in the car mm-hmm. ready to go to be with Ramdas. So even if I had wanted to, it would have been hard to say yes. I had moved out of my house. But I didn't really want to. Mm-hmm. I, want, I had tasted something that was... So extraordinary. Because the moment I met Ramdas, the moment I walked into the room where he was sitting, without a word being spoken, something happened to me. And at that moment, I knew that whatever it was I was looking for was real. Mm-hmm. And it was in the world. And you could find it. That was it. Yeah. That, that was the beginning of the rest of my life, right there. Mm-hmm. been a few beginnings of the rest of my life but that was the first one <laughs> <laughs> you always need to I was, start uh, and without a word being spoken you know and then yeah. gradually as time went on getting to know Ram Dass and be with him become very close I realized that what I was feeling was Maharaji mm. so then that's when I went to India after about a year and a half mm-hmm. but Ram Dass himself was very unusual very special being very special being I think it's hard for most people who didn't know him intimately to separate who he really was from all the publicity around everything he had done with Acid and Timothy Leary and all that stuff, Harvard and all that stuff. But he was really an extraordinary being Mm -hmm. who overcame extraordinary adversity. He had a catastrophic stroke. He couldn't speak hardly speak he couldn't talk he couldn't walk he couldn't do anything for himself anymore he needed to be helped to everything and he actually overcame pride and he really became receptive and was able to let people help you know how hard that is it's really hard people who have they tend to always have this anger you know because they're angry at what happened to them and don't try to help me you know but he he trans transformed all that. It was so beautiful. 
Mm. I used to tease him mercilessly. I used to say, you finally become who we thought you were 40 <laughs> years ago. And he would laugh. Wow. He would go to the beach every Monday and swim. Mm-hmm. I mean, get in the water. And this was the only time he could feel free of the weight of his body. You know? Oh, yeah. So one time I, I went, I was late and I got to the beach. <clears throat> and he was sitting in the car in the parking lot. The door was open and he was kind of like, like this, you know. So I walked up and I said, hey. He looked at me. He said, I'm a fake. And you're a fake too. So I looked up to him and I said, yeah, but we're real fakes. And he <laughs> totally lost it. <laughs> And he would get caught once in a while in his mind about stuff, you know, like, is any of this real? What's going on? You know, it's inevitable. We're human beings. Yeah. But it was very, it wasn't that often that he would get so caught. He really was in such a beautiful place. Hey, I'm quickly interrupting the episode to extend an invitation. If you are interested in deepening into any of the subjects we talk about on the podcast, we offer many different experiences on our beautiful grounds here in Baja, Mexico. From nine-day modules such as sound healing and yoga nidra, to breath and meditation, as well as two or three hundred hour yoga teacher trainings, and many different shorter retreats. Check out our website yandara.com to see all the information about the different experiences. Let's get back to the episode. It's so interesting how the adversities that we go through, the hardships, the pain, the suffering, that's kind of what takes us deeper and out of here, the mind, yeah. and into the world. It's true. It, when you hit a wall, you have to, you definitely pay attention. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, you're trying to just like, you push pain a little bit away and hold on to pleasure. But when, you, when something really hits... You're forced to deal with it. And that's, mm-hmm. unfortunately for most of us, that's about the only time we do deal with it, when the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Unfortunately. It would be great if the rest of the time we were more dedicated to, <laughs> you know, to becoming better people. But it's usually not until something really hurts. Yeah. Have you had experiences where you were able to learn through joy and happiness and... well you know i'm a moper you know i mope around my whole (laughs) life so joy and happiness you know that's not my cup of tea you know but yeah you know things have changed really through all these years of practice and all these years of becoming more familiar and more at ease with what the path is really about how it works and and what it really means to us. You know, we used to ask Maharaji, Neem Karolabala, my guru, Mm -hmm. how do we find God? You say, serve people. What? Maybe he didn't hear me. You know, come on. (laughs) How do we like raise Kundalini? (laughs) Feed people. Mm. What? He never encourage us to do practice for the sake of our own liberation. Mm -hmm. He encouraged us not to think about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because what do we do all day long? Think about ourselves. Usually negatively. Usually, yeah. There's always an edge on it. It's always judgmentally. Mm -hmm. So he was, what he was saying was that, you know, and when I was, I had a whole nervous breakdown in the temple, hallucinating out of my fucking mind and just ready to kill myself. He said, what are you going to do? Jump in the river? And he laughed. <laughs> yeah, the river was six inches deep and I figured, you know, if I got my head under a rock, maybe I could. He said, what are you going to do? Jump in the river? He said, you can't die. Mm. This little Hindu guy then looks at me and says, only Jesus died the real death. What? Why? Because he never thought of himself. Mm-hmm. Thoughts of me don't arise in an enlightened being. Mm-hmm. They don't, me, me, me doesn't exist. Yeah. It's everybody. He's one with all beings. Yeah. So he said, somebody dies and people 
cry and moan and they stop eating, but after a few days they're laughing and drinking again and eating, you know. One attachment replaces another attachment, one after the other. That's what this world is, is the flow of attachment. Mm -hmm. That's what he said, samsara, the flow of attachment. No attachment, no world, just God. Mm -hmm. He's very, he spoke in very simple terms, but there was such deep things he was talking about that it's taken 50 years to just begin to get a, a little taste of what he was talking about. Don't you feel that in the end what we're trying to do is very simple, but not easy at all? Exactly, yeah. It's very it's ultimately simple. Yeah. And in fact, the highest meditation practices are the simplest mm -hmm. and the most difficult. The highest meditation practice is just to remain in your natural state. Yeah. Like, huh? <laughs> so that's next to impossible for most, most of us. Yeah. Um, but the underlying truth of that is very sweet, which is that our natural state, who we are naturally, is okay. You know, it's just that we heap so much shit on top of it. Mm -hmm. You know, but if we can uncover that. And so that's really what practice is, uncovering that place. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways of talking about it. Polishing, cleaning the mirror of the heart. Yeah. Uncovering the, you know, the hidden jewels within, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is. It's all about recognizing, on one hand, recognizing our interdependence with all beings. We're not really separate, but we look separate to each other, but truthfully, we're not separate. Mm -hmm. And when we don't think about ourselves all the time, that separateness disappears and we feel things for others. You know, why would you hurt your foot, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, why would I hurt you? You're a part of me, yeah. everybody, you know? But that's very, to really be living in that state is very difficult, very advanced. But, you know, we can try. We, we do the best we can. Mm -hmm. We human beings, we find so many ways to separate ourselves through race, religion, the color of our skin, our gender, and... We don't really learn this in school, how we all have the same core. Yeah. We just, where do you think that comes from? You know, I, I was on tour a few years ago. I sang in Japan and then went to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. When I was in Hong Kong, I went up on the mountain behind Hong Kong. And I looked down into the city. And the bay, and then Macau, I think it is the other side. Ships in the harbor, and all the skyscrapers, they would knock anything that was older than 10 years old, they knocked it down and built a bigger one. Mm -hmm. And people hustling through the streets. And I looked at all this craziness, and I thought to myself, what is this? All we have to do is eat, sleep, drink, and fuck. You know, what? We can do that under a tree quite happily. Mm -hmm. How did all this happen? Yeah. Why everybody, why is this like this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just thought greed. And the, and the fact that everybody wants happiness yeah. and can't find it. So they keep trying to get more and more and more and more. And this is, this was the, this is what happens, you know, the businesses grow and greed and more and more. And, you know, it's crazy. It's totally nuts, but it has to do with the fact that everybody wants to be happy and doesn't know how to get it. Mm -hmm. So it gets substituted. You know, you substitute yeah. pleasure for happiness. Yeah. And then you have to keep getting more and more of this and less and less pain and further and further away from dissatisfaction and more and more into it. It's just human nature is to want to be happy and want to be loved and want to love, but we don't know how to do it. So... We settle for all this shit. Mm -hmm. I, I still remember looking down at Hong Kong and going, like, what the, what is this? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, New York, no different. Same thing. But wow. Yeah. 
politics and power and fame and money and and everybody's running after it like it's mm-hmm. and it doesn't work but nobody seems to notice yeah. And if they do notice, they don't think there's any other thing to do. That's the problem. I think they do notice, actually. They do notice there's a panic behind all that and an anxiety. Mm-hmm. So they know it's not going to work, but they just don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a, an understanding that there's another way to live. Yeah. Would you say the other way is only the spiritual path? You don't have to call it that. Just call it... Mm-hmm. Just try to be a good human being, you know? I mean, I don't, spiritual, spiritual just, it just means, um, what does it mean to be a human being? It's not something else, you know? It's not, it's not spiritual and worldly and spiritual. It's just how to live a good life and, and be not, and not live in fear. Mm-hmm. And not and and be able to live with kindness and compassion, and not have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So, if you're vulnerable, you have to protect yourself. But our hearts are not really vulnerable. Yeah. But our emotional bodies are beaten and bruised. So we're always trying to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. So in order to, we have to f- go to a deeper place in order to feel confident that we can't be hurt by anything. And that's mm-hmm. big. For me. That understanding comes from connecting to something that's bigger from than me, mm-hmm. and that's spirituality. Yeah, you think there is a way to get to that place without this understanding of the deeper world and the the energy that's always in play and in flow. I'm not really sure what you mean. I mean, just. Everybody goes through their life trying to do the best they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't consider myself spiritual. I'm just trying to be a good human being. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what you mean. Uh, but you certainly don't have to, you know, change what you wear and change, you know, start learning a foreign language and chanting mantras in a language you don't understand that's that's not yeah. the deal the deal is to start caring about yourself and caring about others whatever mm-hmm. you can do to help yourself overcome those fears and, and become a good person that's that's what spiritual really is to me the great saints that I've met have been the most human mm-hmm. you know they're really human they're really fully present fully you know, full of love for everyone. It's extraordinary. And they're not high and mighty and, you know, they don't look down on anybody because they're right here. They're one with everyone. Mm-hmm. The highest and the lowest. So, they don't, they're no, they don't feel better than everyone because they know how good everyone really is. So, it's not something else. It's just life. I've heard you mention that you don't consider yourself religious. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, what does that mean? Or like belonging to any religion? No, I mean, I was born Jewish. Mm-hmm. But was I Jewish in my last life? <laughs> I don't think so. Who knows? Was I Jew- am I going to be Jewish in my next life? I had a dream once I was coming back to Earth, you know, getting reborn. Mm-hmm. And I was heading right home to India. <laughs> At the last moment, I made a left turn and wound up in New York. What the? <laughs> <laughs> what? How did this happen? <laughs> it's about. It shows us about how one small mistake can have such a big impact on our life. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the Baal Shem Tov. There was one line in this one. This book called "The Light and Fire of the Baal Shem Tov" by Buxbaum. And it was one line that one of the old disciples of the Baal Shem Tov said. We knew he had worked with the Goyim, but he never talked about it. <laughs> He was a universal saint. Mm. He worked with everyone. But he worked with, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, all I can think of is that religions keep people separate these days. That's all they seem to do.
Because when we chant mantras, we're actually saying the names of the different deities from the Hindu religion. We are. Definitely. How do you relate to that? I don't know what they mean, you know. Mm. All I know is that I chant when I notice I'm not paying attention, I chant. Mm. I don't know what these names really mean. Yes, I know they refer to the Hindu deities, but what are Hindu deities? Mm -hmm. First of all, there is no Hinduism as such. Hinduism is a name that they've given to all these different me methods that people use. They worship Shiva, they worship Rama, they worship Krishna. Mm -hmm. Hinduism has like a million different things in it. There's no one thing. A lot of Indians wouldn't like to hear that, but ultimately that's the real... So, um, who are those deities? Mm -hmm. Right? Are, are they the ultimate reality? I mean, I see them as our elders who have... who have... been on the path a lot longer and recognized and manifest our manifestations of reality. In India, they call them that. In other cultures, they call them other things. There's one sun up in the sky, mm -hmm. which is about to blast us. <laughs> yes. Right? But we call it sun. In Hebrew, it has another name. In India, it has another name. It's the same sun. Right. So it's like that. Mm -hmm. I have, I must have karmas with India, or I wouldn't be attracted to that. I wouldn't have been pulled into that, mm -hmm. that stuff. And I've always been comfortable. I mean, the first time I went to India, when my foot hit the ground, oh, I'm home. And I realized I had never felt that before. Mm. It was just, it just happened. Whoa. Came over me totally. I'm home again. Yeah. Wow. So. That's my path, but it doesn't, it's not religious. And mm -hmm. I don't even, you know, it's not, I don't know how to say it. I just never think about it that way. Mm -hmm. Maybe it looks that way. Yeah. I can understand that, but that's not how it looks to me. Really, all I know is my guru, and I don't even know him. All I know is his love, what, he, what I've experienced of him, and that's where I want to be, in that love. That's all I got going, and because of him. That's all I know. Everything else mm -hmm. is everything else. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're so right that it's all just names that human beings put on these things that are actually feelings yeah. that we have. Exactly. Absolutely. Beautiful. And when you make a chant, you're using these names of the deities how, how does this process look like uh, in terms of letting the music You're come? You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Mm. It just happens, you know. And, you know, I've always been musical. And since I like to chant, melodies come to me and I just, they just kind of merge with the, the names and that's it. There's no real thought going on. Most of the time I... I'll be driving in a car and I'll be singing something and I think, oh, I never heard that before. Mm. I better remember that, you know, something <laughs> like that. A couple of times I woke up in the middle of the night and sat and recorded something. And then in the morning I think, did I wake up last night? And I push a button, <laughs> oh, wow. And there was a whole chant there that I didn't even remember when I woke up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of times, the whole thing. Wow. So it's just, I don't know. You know, I sing what I like to sing, and I'm mildly surprised that anybody else seems to enjoy it also. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to please anybody. Yeah. I'm doing my practice. The thing that helps me enter into that loving presence. Mm -hmm. And other people seem to vibe with that so good. Let them sing. Yeah. You know, otherwise I'll be home alone. But <laughs> it doesn't seem like he wants me home alone. <laughs> yes. It's so interesting. Um what you mentioned about that it's not really coming from your mind and trying to figure it out, it's flowing through yeah. you. Mm -hmm. And 
Also going back to what we mentioned before, that you kind of always felt this affinity to music and you had this feeling inside that it was going to be your path, but mm-hmm. you had a little ways to go before yeah. you got there. Do you think that we know, we always know what our purpose is or does yeah. it come to us? I, I, if I knew... I didn't know that I knew. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to yeah. know you know. Yeah. But even, even, I still don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looks like something, but yeah. who knows what it is? I don't know, you know, it just keeps yeah. going on. I don't think, you know, I think every day is different. Every moment is different. You just try to do the best you can. And that can change every second of every day. There's no... There's no concreteness to it. You just keep following your heart and doing what you have to do and giving yourself to it as much as you can. And, you know, every day. Because I think ultimately we, we, we're all looking for a particular feeling. And everybody would call it something different. But ultimately it's really the same thing. Mm-hmm. And... The situation is that most people have really bad aim and you know they reach over here for some for it yeah but it, it it turns out to be something else yeah and then they get totally involved in this other thing and for and they lose that c- connection to what it really is you know and that's why a place like Hong Kong New York all these business pl- you know that's why the world is the way it is because people don't know how to find happiness real mm-hmm. happiness and they settle for less and they suffer yeah I think a lot of people don't even realize that it's possible to live yeah. in joy no that's yeah they, yeah it's true and if they realize they don't know how to get there yeah both things you say are true Most people mm-hmm. have no clue that it doesn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. They really don't. And they, I joke around, I say, you get born, you graduate high school, you drink a few beers, and you die. Mm-hmm. And you're not here for one moment in the whole process. And it's really, when you think about that, compassion arises because you don't want to see people suffer. Mm-hmm. I mean, You might think you do at times, you know, people who have hurt us, you know, but ultimately we really don't want to see people suffer yeah. because we don't want to suffer. Because we know what it is to suffer. Mm-hmm. So after all of these accomplishments, the, this amazing path that you've been on, different teachers and artists that you've worked with, is there... still something that you feel insecure about? Well, I'm still the same schmuck I always was. There's no question about that. Maybe I don't think of, think of myself that way as much as I used to, but when I do, I do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like I've done anything special at all, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get through the day in the best way I can. And um, really, I, I don't feel, I don't think, I don't feel special in any way, really. I'm lucky I met my guru. And I'm lucky that he lets me sing to him. Because that's what I'm doing. Because he is that love. That's, he's the one that I met the love when I met him, you know. Mm-hmm. So... That presence, that vast presence, he's like the sky is everywhere. And I want to be in that place. And that's where the singing moves me in, deeper into that place. Mm-hmm. But I don't think of myself as doing anything very special, really. I, I, he, he could have used a rock or a stone to do this. But he used me. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, good. I'm happy yeah. about that. But... Believe me, he could have done it without me. He could have done it with a pebble. He could make a pebble sing just as good as me. <laughs> And, but he, he's let me do it, so that's good. I'm happy. 
other than that, there's nothing special about it. Amazing. So uh, we close each interview with uh, the closing curiosities. Uh-huh. It's a few quick questions that will be in every interview. Okay. And we'll start with, uh, what is something that you've changed your mind about? That I've changed my mind about? Mm-hmm. Change my mind about. Hmm. I think sugar's not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> for the heart, it's so good. Uh-huh. It's good for the heart. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, what is something you didn't think you could do that you did? Would I ever believe anybody wanted to talk to me about anything? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. People seem to think I have something to say, so I open my mouth and it comes out. Yeah. But I, I never thought I could be happy. And I never thought that I'd be happy doing something in, in life. And Doing what I do makes me happy. And that's unbelievable to me. I, it's not something that the older, the earlier me would have ever believed that you could be happy mm-hmm. doing anything. I wasn't, I wasn't a happy kid. Well, that relates to the next question because what you just said, I think, can give a lot of hope to people. Uh, so what gives you hope? I think what gives me hope is knowing that love is real. Mm-hmm. real and it's in the world and everyone can find it you just have to look a little bit mm-hmm. and that everyone can be happy and at ease and loving and kind and compassionate and live a good life without hurting other people that's totally possible it's that it's actually our nature is like that and as we overcome the self-hatred and the self-loathing and all the unworthiness and the, the trauma this is who we'll become you know and uh, whether it happens now or you know 50 million years from now whatever that happens it's inevitable that that's what's going to be because we're all on this we're in part of this evolutionary process that everybody is sooner or later going to be back at in the one mm-hmm. that we're all part of Maharaj used to go. And you know, he knew everything. <laughs> everything. He knew what you ate for breakfast. He knew the past, the future. He knew what you're thinking right now. Wow. And uh, so when he would go like this, we thought, okay, what am I getting busted for? Something I did, something I'm going to do, or something I'm thinking about doing. He said, what does this mean? And he would go, what does that mean? And he would say, Many paths, many names, many forms, all one. Mm. All one. He said, sub-ek, all the time. One, all one. Mm-hmm. That's where he lives. All one. In that oneness. Yeah. And that's, that's how you experience him now. Yeah. Yeah. The sooner the better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Okay. How do you define happy? I don't know if you define happiness itself. I think happiness is the absence of, of unhappiness. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's your natural state, but you only experience that when you're not polluting your natural state. So, and it doesn't mean that you don't suffer because you can suffer and still be happy. still have joy like a real saint feels the suffering of the whole world all the time mm-hmm. but their hearts are so wide that they're not destroyed by it it's within them it doesn't destroy them so you know that's 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 where we're going ultimately mm-hmm. beautiful and last question what are you curious about right now Uh, hmm. 
I don't know. I'm not very curious. I just try to be as present as I can. The main thing I'd be curious is when am I going to meet him again? Mm. I want him in the body again, the way I first met him. Actually, this night, the way I first met him, he was everywhere. Ramdas talked about him, I felt about him. When I first met, met him in the body, it was confusing. Because mm-hmm. for two years, I was hearing about him, I was feeling him, he was everywhere. And now there's this body, how does this all fit in there? <laughs> it was weird. Wow. But I got over that. <laughs> and got totally attached to the body. <laughs> so, I don't know. Is there anything else that's important for you to mention? Don't give up. That's the thing. Don't give up. You can, everyone can find what they secretly, deeply long for. Everyone. So don't, don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. That's the thing. Don't lose heart, like they say. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. How can people stay connected with you? Um, well, yeah, my website, krishnadas.com, that's all my, all the stuff is on there, schedule, everything on there. More, more about me than you'll ever want to know mm-hmm. is there, so <laughs> Krishna, krishnadas.com. Great. And on that note. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for doing this with me. It's been truly an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. And I hope you come here again. I hope so too. (laughs) Thank you. Now, after this time to nurture your mind and your spirit, we invite you to take a moment to consider others. A kind wish might come to mind. Know that what we learn becomes more valuable when we apply it and share it with others. So share this episode on Instagram stories, tag Yandara and I, or share with a loved one so that more people can benefit from it. Our hope is that the search will lead you home to who you already are, to what was always there. We'll be back next week with more inspiration, honest conversation, and insight into the energetic world around us. Thank you for listening and watching.